0: Welcome, everybody, to the R2Cast Christmas Special. You have probably already noticed that this is the first ever time on the R2Cast that Wallace has not introduced an episode. And that is because for this episode, we are um, me, Edward, who is the co-host of the All In podcasts. if you listen to any of them. I am going to be interviewing Wallace on what does has happened in his life over the last year because if anybody's been a regular listener, you'll know that he's not short of stories from his past 12 months um, from all around the globe. Um, Number The previous podcast was 164 with Ifan Roberts. He is a dairy farmer that started off with absolutely nothing and he now owns 360 dairy cows at only 28 years old, which is quite exceptional. And I'll let you go and listen to that podcast to find out how he's achieved that. The next episode is going to be the first episode of series four. It's going to be on Monday, January the 8th. So we're going to have a little break and that's going to be R2Cast165 with Amy Stoner. This is going to be the last episode of the year. And it's going to be the 91st episode of the year, which is quite a lot of episodes. So I'll now hand over to our guest for today, which you will know exactly the voice that you're just about to hear. So
1: Wallace, do you want to introduce yourself and welcome? It feels so weird to not say welcome back. I just want to say it. just First before off, we get started yes, with another episode why, how of how the Arctic cast, I would plan, like to thank are. our primary sponsors, um, Howden yeah, Doodle. Sure. Formerly known no as A-Plan first, yeah, Howden are the heavily involved in the social media scene uh, in the ag, yeah. ag space, with over 100,000 followers on Instagram. The they use this, year, this following to host social media takeovers with farmers over. throughout the country to yeah. showcase <laughs> their stories, <laughs> yeah, as well as yeah, posting really to their rural community year, blog um, with further articles about these people in the sector. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British we industry, such as myself. So thank you to first of all for being involved with all inside... It's quite nice. I really like the food and farm inside. It's 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 created a brand for me, and it's created a pretty fantastic network, which I think Ed's starting to find now as well. But having that all inside is really cool because we're bringing folk on that we don't know about the topics, um, and albeit I can probably chat to anyone having that sort of two different, you know, perspectives and that sort of tried trinamic as I started called it really works well. So that's been really good, um, and then. To make the podcast possible i mean it was going to still be happening anyway but releasing quite as much as we are i don't think there's many more prolific than it at the minute um certainly on food and farming side but also including the second batch as well you know howden rural previously a plan <clears throat> been really good fraser searle who you may know as uh, sensational sandwiches on instagram and tiktok he has absolutely blown up recently he's been great to work with and everyone at a plan and now howden have been fantastic i'm sure you'll be hearing their information as as we go throughout the episode. Scottish farmer have been around for at the point of release of this episode almost two years now, so it's been pretty cool as well, and and hopefully not by time of release of this episode, but I think the next all in or the one after that will have brought on a, a a temporary sponsor on there and see how that goes as well with Magic Mind, which is quite exciting too, and that's the first time we've actually mentioned the name. So yeah, thank you for for listening and supporting because it's it's yeah it's became pretty good for. Both of us really, hasn't it? That's, that's 100%. 100%. Yeah. It's uh, Yeah, it's nothing without the listeners,
0: so I think yeah. they've got to get the biggest thank you. Um, I've not been on for too long. It's the year in March? It will be about yeah. then, yeah. About a year yeah. in March. So I've not done too many yet, but um, I'm really enjoying it so far. So hopefully we can keep going with it and meet different people, because the people up to now have been pretty mind-blowing. I know mm-hmm. the one that's just released before this with Kate Rolls, that was totally different gravy for me i was so up my league they were just wallace and kate were able to chat for ages and i was like "Well, i have absolutely no idea what's going on here i mean i was able to talk about geography
1: but i wasn't able to compete with you know albeit as we're going to get into it it's been quite a good few months but kate's life is just cool like it's just cool. totally totally
0: um so over the last year that you've done 91 podcasts well you've done 90 podcasts this is the 91st what uh Talk us through some of them
1: through the year. Man, it's hard and it's um with the first one of the series, series three, was Luke Ablett, number seventy-four, and that used to be a thing I was really good at was you say a number, I can probably say what it is, and and that that is no longer the case with the prolific we're releasing. Genuinely pretty rapidly after you and I started. I just can't do it. Uh, I could do it up to about episode 115 and then it stopped. But yeah, we started with Luke and we had a few around that time. Around that time was when I'd started the group podcast. And the reason I'd started a group podcast was I felt like the sort of individual or maybe the odd couple here and there had kind of absolutely not reached a ceiling, but... Or somewhat of a view ceiling, but not not like a, an interest ceiling you know i just wanted to change something up and i wanted to start getting groups on so i had things like countryside learning and rate and qms and what on which was really good and quite quite um thought provoking because it was more than just one person it was also looking at sort of policies of companies and charities and stuff and that's absolutely still a thing the group podcast it's just not how i'd intentionally started it it was going to be four food and farming and then two groups i just sort of fell through the cracks so all in sort of took in that That gap but yeah probably important to mention that around january 8th or 16th i think it was um we did ed and i along with elspeth and callum um for one group uh two groups from lower did speech making and basically because of that that was i was conscious i wanted a co-host on a new series and that's where we sort of saw ed asking a lot of questions because he was he was asking me the questions in it and that's where the that came in so that's how it started i mean some yeah some great guests it's, it's so hard to look back and see who stands out um but i mean one for me that stands out and it's not being selfish or whatever or um whatever the opposite of humble is uh, is the one where we spoke about us going to tanzania and rwanda it was just nice to look back on what was an absolutely phenomenal experience which we'll get into later on in the episode um it was really lovely to do that uh god I'm trying to remember even when things were i quite enjoyed one with um neil barrett who's a, a hoof trimmer who spoke some really really open about mental health which is really interesting uh, i think the the all in series is really starting to interest me because i mean like ed, ed and i live in agriculture whether that's ed is farming i'm you know lecturing in agriculture we're in young farmers we i do a lot of speaking at farming events like I would say ninety-eight percent of my life is farming, and it's actually class just getting into that yeah. and just like, we love what we do, but it's also cool to see how many more things out there. So yeah, having professional footballers and got a professional darts player coming up, professional snooker, player. Like, that's just fun, like, it's yeah. really cool. Um, so yeah, I I don't really think there's any that absolutely full-on jump out as as you know, as the best that I've done because they all really are good. So yeah, nice. So let's see, nice.
0: Um so outside of the R2 cast and outside of podcasting, um it's not the only way you make money. What's the <laughs> what's the bread and butter for you? What's the, the lecture and as you just as you just mentioned how it, how's that went over the last year?
1: Yeah man, I think folk that listen to podcasts, I think even other folk think that like I just spend my life doing podcasts. And it's actually not true. It's maybe <clears throat> I don't know six hours of a week um whereas yeah i'm lecturing the best part of 40. so i don't know how you could not know this if you do listen to a few episodes but yeah i'm a lecturer i've been lecturing for sruc so i did my degree in agriculture sruc graduated 2018 then on did a master's in food security which i graduated from glasgow uni a year later I was out of education or academia, whatever you want to call it, for about nine months before I was contacted about lecturing, having just started R2K, not the R2Cast, R2K, just posting little videos at Lamentown during lockdown. and Yeah, we started lecturing, which has been a roller coaster very much one of those sort of um, inferiority complexes we started, <laughs> that be fair to say. Um, but yeah, over the years, we're now three and a bit years in and sort of last year, so you know, this will be released in December 2023, 20, or in September time 2022, Agriculture Next Gen HNC started. Now, for those of you that are interested in this, um, we'll get into it with Nuffield because I'm a bit of a nerd in this, even further than just my job. Um, the The system or the model that was implemented before Scottish Agricultural Education was was pretty intense. You were looking at like 45 assessments in your first year and about 52 in your second year from memory. Um, now, they would change year on year somewhat, but for the most part, a ridiculous workload for a sort of nine-month session. Uh, we've now taken that down to, in the ballpark of 20, a very much more holistic approach, looking at not just report, 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 report. We're offering sort of students the opportunity to show us how they can put information over. So we've got different presentations, posters. We've got interviews. We've got them actually taking classes. We've got a podcast, which has been really rewarding. I've really enjoyed taking that class. It is mute teachers teaches it, funnily enough. Um... And then yeah, a lot of um, a lot of trips, which I think is great because we've got so much at the barony that I think is great, but there's so much we don't have, and I think we've got to show that. So I've got a, a module called Diversified Enterprise and Rural Business, which started around the start of this year, and another one called Specialised Farming Systems. <coughs> diversified enterprises look at looks at either a farm system that is a farm system now, or a fa- a place that was a farm and has diversified into something else. Uh, either that's alongside the current farming enterprise or it's now overtake it, which was really interesting. We went to the Buffalo Farm, um, our Nesby Farm, and um, a place here in, in Dumfries called uh, uh, Loch Hill Farm, which is a, a beef reading unit um, that's um moved into quite a lot of things, in fairness, contracting pods, but we were focusing mainly on the biomass boilers. And then Specialised Farming Systems is just looking at farming systems away from the conventional. So instead of when we say dairy, we definitely think cattle. We were at a sheep and goat place. Uh, we were at, um, we were at a, a goat meat place, that sort of thing. So looking at it, different stuff there, which I found thoroughly enjoyable. It's got its cracks, it's got its issues, it's in its pilot year, but um, I think it's generally moving towards a better model. So yeah, that's my my nerdy um, lecturer speak, but I absolutely love the job. We've got an absolute family of a team, um, and it's just an absolute joy to, to go to work on a Monday. So that's my... My uh, yeah, main bread winning as you see. <laughs> yeah, your your bread and butter. That's
0: awesome. Knowing that someone really does love their job and you can really hear the passion that you've got for the whole, for the whole industry, um, there. And I think like the diversification things. That's great for learning because I know I was at college, well at the college that Wallace teaches that before, literally just before he was there. I was there studying, and yeah, there was certainly. Not much in the way of looking at diversification Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. It's great to be able to open people's eyes because if you think of farming, especially in Scotland, I think you just think of cows and sheep Mm -hmm. and maybe a few tractors on top of that. But outside of that, there's not too much. So it's good to be able to know that because there's a lot of farmers stuck in their ways that kind of need to see how they can make money outside of that.
1: Definitely and I think I think ag education's been in a bit of a rock for a while. <laughs> um, oh, and that's someone that's been through totally. it. And um I think we're we're in a great I, I genuinely am proud of what we're doing. I don't really yeah. speak about stuff if I don't mean it. I'll just yeah. pretend it's not happening, but I'm genuinely proud of what we're doing. Like we've got a winter show that at the end of November we have students dressing <coughs> dressing um Holstein bull and heifers, calves, Dorset Yows, mule yows. Yeah, and they show them it's for a livestock championship and then you've got tractor and quad competition on the same day all coming together and now we've just brought in our HND stock judging competition which our winner track um, which we can now say is, is going to stock judging Paris eh, next year so yeah we're really really yeah, changing yeah. what's out there Yeah, that's class it's, it's good and then in the, the, the sort of springtime one thing I really really wish I'd done I had access to show and stock if I wanted but one thing I really wish I'd done was was what we're doing now and that's with both crop and grass plots so students are involved in choosing what application manure they want to use and why Um, and then basically who has the most weight, most fresh weight at the end wins a competition and then who has um, the sort of strongest silage analysis wins a competition the crops is kind of tricky because by the very nature you're not really harvesting up the same group that put it in but they get to drill, they get to do all the field work and I, I can't stress how Invaluable, I think that is. I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information about our primary sponsors Howden Rural, the new name for Aplan Rural. Howden Rural provide bespoke insurance cover for farms and estates. This could be for anything from tractors and machinery to a new exciting diversification venture. Be sure to check out Howden Rural today. <coughs> yeah,
0: the knowledge the gain is unbelievable. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, because the, there's loads of the students at college that won't be from farms that have anything to do with crops like even if there'll be loads that don't have anything to do with farming never mind having anything to do with arable it'll be very very minuscule at the barony, yeah. and that'll have any rough idea of what it's about so it's great to be able to learn them skills because yeah it's amazing to hear actually how much it's changed even in the last five years since I was there five years ago I was doing the HNC and uh, the winter show uh, wasn't a thing and yeah. things like that so it's great to see that it's moving on and pushing on no it's, it's good it's good um, so this, t- this time last year you put an advert in the concert programme and you wanted a a, a phrase to put it in what, it yeah, yeah. a phrase to put in it and we were talking about this at a concert practice and uh, I just said I didn't think anything, anyone was really listening and i just go, Wallace Curry, a face for podcasting. And I don't really think much else of it. And then I'm looking through the programme just before it's kind of printed out and finalised. And I'm just looking. It says, oh, R2Cast, Wallace Curry, a photo of Wallace. And there's a wee bubble, bubble speech. And, and it says, a face for podcasting in the speech. So uh, I actually made it onto the advert, which I was... Quite surprised about it. Did he name me out as well? Yeah, yeah, named
1: yeah, you are yeah, yeah. a big deal though. Call has been You were the chairman. Yeah, right. I, I
0: mean Yeah, at the time people were reading that and it's like, wow, the chairman's pretty damn mean. Yeah. So but it's only to Wallace. I promise. You can probably tell that if you listen to any of the old ends. Oh, we
1: give it good to each other, man. We give it good to each other.
0: Totally. But <laughs> the the reason I bring that up is because I said at the time you had a facial podcasting, but in June at the Royal Highland Show, um, your face actually made it onto a few screens, didn't it? Tell us a wee bit about that.
1: First off, man, here, you're you're getting good at these transitions. That's good. That's yeah, that. yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's good. It's always hard to do that first. That easy for you? Yeah, too? yeah. That was a good one. I was wondering where the hell that was going. <laughs> I thought you we were gonna talk about your face for podcasting at the minute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Highland Show was cool. So, come April, <laughs> which was kind of mad because. So a little bit of background, in May 2022, I joined Young Farmers. And then in April 2023, I was Vice Chair of Communications and Marketing at national level for the organisation, which was a bit of a, yeah, shocked everyone. Um, maybe a mistake on SAYFC's behalf, but yeah, come April this year, I'll be Not chair unless I'm in trouble. But yeah, so with that, <clears throat> our committee was in charge of basically running RHS TV. Now, I'm not at all taking any credit from Simon Cousins' team. Simon's in charge of RHS TV, but they wanted to have folk on the screen that wasn't just random folk. And SAYFC members at the Highland Show are are well-kent faces. So um, Laura McCulloch heading the team with with our our staff member, uh, Paul, who who will come up later on. Um, Basically, we set out to find people that would be good for being on camera. Now, I wasn't really much use at this point because I genuinely didn't know many folk in the organisation. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm definitely keen, so I put my name for it. And it, yeah, I can't remember the number of folk I was speaking about it at an SLT meeting yesterday. I can't remember the number, but it was around 20-odd people from, well, Young Farmers members got involved. A few of us done three or four videos. Um, and it was basically just, you imagine a show, Royal Welsh do it very well as well. Highland show started during covid they're just documenting everything they've got doogie Vipond, deacon blue and landward um sort of presenting it and then they say oh let's head out to whatever and for me my two main ones were the goats and the alpacas i jumped and bit a bit the hand off the person offering me the chance to do the goats uh and then yeah just you you were filmed and you were sort of it was your little sketch maybe four minutes they were very much do what you want i I don't know if that was the case for everyone I'm, i'm quite confident in camera obviously but uh yeah, I just had a great time, and it's it's. I think it's been clipped, I've been sent the video a few times for a walk into the GOAT tent, and I'm like, in the campest voice possible, I'm like, this is heaven in a tent! <laughs> uh, and it, it was, like, I love GOATs, so I had a really good time, and yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm not someone, and I've said this many a time on the podcast, that sort of puts titles and dates on where I want to be and what not but I'd love to give TV presenting a shot to be honest I, just, I don't think I'm any more comfortable than when I'm on camera which is mad quite abnormal maybe would be psychotic but uh, yeah it was good fun man it was really good fun I really enjoyed it
0: <laughs> that's class there's not many people that would be able to say that I don't think being mean yeah. I'd say that they're most comfortable uh, when
1: they've got a camera like what, looking at them I don't know what, what can go wrong I'm going to shout out poor Sky Watson who um, I won't say what happened but uh, I'm sure those that know will be having a good giggle at me saying this but uh, Sky had Sky had a wee bit of a, a our tongue tied shall we say if we're doing it live right and uh, it's so funny and she dealt with it brilliantly um, but that's but like the, the way I see that is like who cares it's, entertaining. it's funny man it's, yeah exactly you're doing yeah. it for a reason and yeah. if you yeah and like, everybody's yeah. watching it
0: to be entertained yeah, of course in some shape or form. Like, yeah, obviously you don't want to really embarrass yourself. And I think it's far too many people have way too much fear on that. Yeah, Actually embarrassing themselves and someone hearing something that 100%. wasn't 100% perfect because nobody's perfect with anything. So. And the person
1: who looks rubbish is the person who goes on. is like, hey, are you sure I'm here today. And no one uh, wants to see that. Yeah. Nobody Everybody wants to hates see that. that.
0: Yeah. We, say, we say that kind of thing all the time, like a concert as well. It's just... <laughs> Like, that is literally the thing that Muskett said every single practice. It's just, you've just got to be yourself, and if you make a mistake, like, the worst thing is if you just go in your shell yeah. and just stand there and just huff. Yeah. And then that's when you look the most silly. So, oh, so it's, it's silly. the exact same.
1: The more you look like a fanny, the less <coughs> you look like a fanny. Yeah. And it's that's so exactly true. It. It's so true, eh? Yeah, it's that's so exactly true. Exactly, yeah. <coughs> um, but people don't usually realise that until they have actually
0: done a, at least one concert, I feel, most of the time so your case was different but for the young ones I feel yeah, anyway true. they're just like oh I don't want to do that that's embarrassing it'll, it'll look so funny whereas when you actually watch it you're like well you're not trying so you're absolutely looking but the you sellies. see
1: those young ones this year a year on having done
0: it and they're like yeah let's go yeah. cool. cool. man yeah, it's a good time 100%. I love to see you man I love to see you 100% oh. at the start of the year maybe when you didn't <laughs> maybe when you had a bit more time in your hands and you uh you were really into your fitness and you were losing weight and you were re- really going for that at the time. It was and a you dead were walking. No, 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 no. No, I'm t- I didn't mean to go that way, but I have, so I'm yeah. going to commit to it's it. Gonna <laughs> it. <laughs> no, I'm going to try and skip by the, the insult, maybe. Um, but I think it's fair to say in the first six months, you did quite a lot of walking. You were, what, three marathons a week uh,
1: three at one point? Tw- uh, Uh, probably about two and a half
0: two and a half marathons a a week you were walking that's a lot of hours on the road and i was always like because i spoke to you about it sometimes and i was like why don't you just go and run and you'll get it done quicker and you'll burn more calories with less distance than that because um i'm like i i just don't have the time to be going and like walking for three four hours at a time like it's a great way to burn calories and get an exercise and you just said your knees couldn't handle it which is totally fair and It really did work for you, and I think off the back of that, that's when you came up with your idea for a charity case, no, a charity charity fundraiser, which, tell us a wee bit about that, what happened
1: there. Yeah, (laughs) well, it's quite a story. I think that, do you know what's interesting? I mean, that that walk-in started about August time, and pretty quickly, because it started as I was going to do three kilometres a day, which is half a marathon a week.
0: Did it only start in
1: August? Uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. August? No, no, no. no it basically stopped this August. Like, a year, 15 oh, months ago is when it yeah, started. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, quickly snowballed. I genuinely fell in love with it. But, like, just before we get into the sort of charity thing, I think I've always been someone that... <laughs> Ross McKelvey, um, shout out to Ross, who's been on the podcast... Volleyball Player, um, told me he was like, he gave me a few hints and like, you know, stop focusing on the the outcome, go for the journey, which is so true. And I've always wanted, you know, you see fitness influencers and you're like, how cool would be to look like that? And I remember saying to Ross, I was like, there's so many times that I've wanted this, but now like I fucking want it. Mm. And what I wanted wasn't that fitness influencer look anymore. It was just being fitness, being, being, being healthy. Let's not even say fit. So I wasn't at that stage. I was I was, but I'm not at the minute. But being healthy and understanding that. And even now, like when I'm eating bad, which is not as much now as it was a couple of months ago, I'm conscious of what that means and I'm conscious of how to work with that. So yes, I have definitely stopped exercising as much as I was a few months ago. But I'm in a better spot and I understand it and I know getting back to it, it's gonna be easier. I am trying, my legs just sore. <laughs> I'm working on physio. Totally. But um yeah so the walking got pretty intense I was walking a, probably more than 99.9% of the population but uh, I loved it I could edit podcasts and all that sort of stuff but with that um, it didn't only make me lose the best part of four stone but it <clears throat> it made me come out of what was the worst mental health bout I've ever had and I mean like holy shit if people go through that on a daily basis man we've got a broken country like it's so hard which they definitely yeah, will they do well. they do and i like you and i speak about how lucky we are loving our jobs and i think we kind of say like oh man it's so good that yeah. leaving a friday and i'm excited to go back you don't leave on a friday you know you just love doing what you're doing yes yeah. i don't think we realize just how insane that is
0: you you wouldn't really <laughs> i don't you'd appreciate it until you didn't have it. Until no. we were thrown in a job that we hated. And we
1: were literally looking for five o'clock on a Friday. Yeah, man, that's crazy, mate. I just can't... I can't... I can't... I know
0: people it. like that. And sometimes you've got to go through that at times to get to
1: the other side. But damn, it's rough. But, I mean, like, I, I had no issues with work. I had no issues with whatever. I was starting R2K. It was starting to get good. But I broke up with my partner six years at the time. <laughs> two days after buying a house. No, not two days. Three months. Um. Mm-hmm. And we sold that, and it was fine, and then there were some pretty major things happened that we don't need to get into. I mean, I'm happy talking to people about it, I'm not going to say it on here. Um, And with that, it happened around December time, 2021, and I just, apart from my birthday, 26 December that year, I worked every single day until about three in the morning. (laughs) Now, working could be doing emails, it could be editing podcasts, it could be... Thinking of Facebook posts, it could be anything. I'd just done anything to avoid my own mind. And then we got to June time, <clears throat> end of June, when I sort of went on holiday. And that July, I just like, I melted, mate. I completely melted. I probably pushed all my friends away. I know I pushed Emily away at that stage, and then now Emily and I are good, thankfully. But I just, I was in a bad place, and I was like, I need to sort something and I need to create some kind of routine. So yeah, I started walking. <clears throat> that was the August. And then we were walking around ridiculous amount and come april time i was like the reason i just said all that story is for a reason around april time when i came on as vice chair of comms and marketing around that time i realized just how much i'd got out of young farmers even though it would only been 11 months and i kind of joined as an older member that pretty much done nothing so i'm quite busy over the summer uh eh, over summer and then joined concert and speech making and maybe the odd sort of golf night and dinner or whatever. But I'd gained so many friends in this area and whatever, so I'd like to thank SEYFC for. And I didn't have anything directly to thank RICBI for, but just knowing in the place I was mental health-wise and the support they offer people in the rural sector, I was like, I want to help these people. So those two groups, one I'm obviously actively involved in, and one I'm sure would class me as a, a pretty helpful member too that I try and work with as much as I can. I started coming up with an idea of a fundraiser and I went through a million different things but the one I ended up on for those that know and for those that don't I'm from the Isle of Arran, and um, not the one that's famous for wool the one that's famous for whiskey uh, <laughs> whiskey and tourism um, and if you walk round it it's 56 miles and I was like oh that's really cool but quite a lot of folk have done that let's do it twice in 50 hours uh, it's 112 miles go one way go the other way no one can say you went easy way Um I thought that was grand and it It was i mean 112 miles i'd never done and what was going to be three stints with very little rest but i had done for a 56 is that is that two and a half marathons yes i've done 56 which is about 16 or 17 hours from memory so i knew i was perfectly capable of it um and yeah, went back to Aaron for a couple of weeks, started some training, absolutely buggered my knee. I've not really said that much. I couldn't walk for about the 13 yeah. or the 14 days that I was there to train, which wasn't handy, don't you? You came long. back to go the video, didn't you? That's right. Yeah, so yeah. it did, man. Yeah, it did. I did. Completely forgot that, actually. Uh, and then, yeah, come the 18th of July, I was trying to set off the exact same day, actually. The Amy Margrove's team had done their A to B um, cycle in a bigger show, and they, they made some great money, and they, fair effort. Great effort! I think they did a hundred and sixty-five miles, eh, uh, on the bike. So uh, you know, a similar feat to what I was planning on doing on, on my feet. In fairness, and they uh, they smashed it. I didn't. Someone smashed me. Um, <laughs> what What happened was uh I was I was twenty-one kilometers in, which for those that don't do metrics, half marathon exactly, and uh, I was hit by a van, um, like a, it's I think it's I think it's called an ID IQ. IDQ3, it's like the new electric Volkswagen bongo, <clears throat> I've seen three, I've seen that one's side as it hit me, um, I've seen one other, and I've seen one on a tow truck, <laughs> probably the one that bounced into me, yeah, fuck there you it go. Into. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I was just coming up Whiteenby Hill and it hit, hit into me, and Alex like, sort of managed to get out of the way, and I was like, jeez, this is going to hit me, and it was quite a scary moment, I sort of bounced off the wheel arch, and <clears throat> generally, apart from a wee bruise on my left side, like it was fine. Um, and then as I landed, it was like a sort of, almost like a landing, like a superhero pose type thing, not very superheroly, uh, and I just felt this really sharp pain up the, the back of my lower right leg, and I was oh jeez, cramp is the last thing I need, a sixth of the way into this walk, Anyway, we went about another mile, and at that stage, mum and dad, <clears throat> they were sort of coming every year, every three hours or something, and just getting, me, getting some carbs into me, and, and getting some food, and some drink, and getting new socks and whatever <clears throat> they're like how are you getting on and I was like oh, I'll just get by a car and like I said it like that I remember saying that and I think had I not said it like that they'd have stopped me but I said it as if like you know I probably never said what had happened the adrenaline was still going on at that stage you know a mirror had hit my arm or whatever i like really and I was like yeah yeah I can't believe it <clears throat> that was all I said and it kept going they've done 26 kilometres <laughs> and they I mean by 23 of that my foot was flapping like i was throwing my foot genuinely seen ducks run man that's what it was like and then mum came to pick me up because my plan was i started at five in the afternoon my plan was to have a sleep at one in the morning for three hours mum came at 20 to one uh, and that was that was us sitting at 1.3 marathons out of the 4.6 so you know a fair chunk away, you know, over a quarter, probably at thirty percent of the of the road. For those that know, Aaron had went south from the Kinloch, round the south end, came through Brodick, and got to Brodick Castle. When Mum picked me up, I just started crying, and it felt like a failure. I couldn't do anything. I was like, I can't manage, it. <laughs> and and forgetting the like, let's even forget the car thing happened. Even at you know, forty kilometers, <clears throat> which was you know, maybe seven or eight kilometers before I had to stop. I was still well quicker than anyone that had walked it once. Like yeah. I'm a quick walker, and I, yeah. distance doesn't impact me because I've just done so much. Um, got in the car and I was like, Mom, I can't do this." And she's like, "No, you manage. You manage. I, you know, support it's, it's happens." And then I sort of explained the car thing. She was like, <laughs> "She realised what had happened first time." She was like, "We're oh, getting a bath or getting cam." And I had instead of two or three hours sleep, I had five. I woke up and I was like, "Oh, geez, like." I don't know if I can do this, but I'm not stopping. Dad was like, I'll come with you. And then obviously, this had happened with the leg and the sleep and the bath and the time had taken. It was bad by now. And this isn't me calling out my dad at all. <laughs> this is just showing you how determined I still was to do it. For four kilometres, I was still well ahead of Dad. Um, and it was nice, really nice to have Dad there. But we got to that sort of three and a half, four kilometre mark the next day. So we're sitting at pretty much 50k total <clears throat> out of about 180k walk and I was like I can't do this I had to pull over uh, pull over since I was in the car um, I had to sit on a bridge in the middle of Corrie and I was like I just can't do this Phone mum went to N E, and they were like yeah if you imagine your calf it's essentially like two muscles you know if you see some defined calf there's like a line up the middle and um, essentially tore the middle not fully because obviously I wouldn't be able to walk at all but yeah not really in good place so yeah that was the end of that story unfortunately and <clears throat> and uh, yeah for those of you listening I mean I think this will be coming out a couple of weeks after recording. Um, I think it was in the Daily Record talking about it last week. So if you want to go see any photos of me there, it was really interesting. I think I sent you photos. Like seeing the difference in definition from my yeah, leg yeah, was yeah. insane. Yeah, like I have extremely muscular calves, especially then, and it was it was almost halved. It, it was, was gone. Mad. It was yeah. insane. It totally deteriorated in week and not a week. Maybe yeah. four days. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it was disheartening, man. It was really quite a low point. You felt pretty stupid, in fairness. And we we raised about three k, and that's still open at the minute, and it's still open for the one reason that I am going to do it. Um, I'm just not going to manage this year, which we'll get into, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, really, quite a cool story, in fairness. <laughs> yeah, had had I managed fine, I wouldn't have a really cool story to talk about. But uh, yeah, it's it'll yeah. be quite a good story once we finish it eventually. So definitely,
0: yeah, a, definitely. I know, uh, knowing you, you're you don't. Uh, let things go by and not complete them. So, I'm sure at some point, it might not be in the very near future, but I'm sure at some point you'll definitely complete that and uh, you, hopefully you'll raise even more money than you already have because it's for two unbelievable causes that I'm pretty close to as well. So, it's great to see you supporting them.
1: No brilliant ones.
0: Um, but sticking on SAYFC, so as we know, you. uh the first my my first memory of even meeting you at all, I actually picked you up for to go to the dinner dance.
1: So you did. Yeah.
0: I don't think I could have told you that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I, you I, I picked you an up, alien
0: and me, yeah, and well, and well, yes. Will. Uh, so I Do picked well. you, well, an Alien
1: up. That's right. And because yeah, uh, I was sat in the middle and like, yeah. unfortunately for Tasha, I couldn't really keep everything closed, it was worth to kill. No, yeah. <laughs> no, and
0: I was like, who's this humongous hairy man in the back of my car who I hadn't even met? And Will, Will was like, oh yeah, just, could you come and pick up me, Wallace and alien like, Wallace is a lecturer at the bar and a good lad and that, he's the speaker for the night. I was like, yeah, no worries, just swung by when I was on the way. And, uh, and then at the dinner dance, Wallace spoke. Thanks. That was it. For me, as the vice chair doing the vote of thanks, it was a... He's not exaggerating. It was a humbling moment for me. <laughs>
1: it's a humbling moment <laughs> <I'd... laughs> for me. Just stood up in front of folk for, like, my probably my biggest speech at that point. A bunch of my students, like... And then, yeah, sat down, and you barely had the time to thank me.
0: Pray. Well, that's, um... <laughs> That's why the vice chair does the vote of thanks in general, because that's how you learn. And it was a massive learning curve.
1: And I I didn't even think I did
0: anything wrong until he called me out on it about (laughs) six months later, when I actually got to know him a little bit better. But uh, no, over that next year, you you didn't have anything to do with young farms at that point, did you? You just, you thought it was something that you would never be interested in. And yeah, as he said before, it just, you start coming to things. Golf night was the first thing I remember you coming to. The first thing year. I
1: went to was your concert night out. Right. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I spoke to you. though, was it. Sort of no. were like Perry and Will and Colin and that. Yeah. But yeah. The first yeah.
0: night I went, and the day I yeah said you
1: it was there. golf night. Yeah. 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 Was that the f fu- <laughs> That was the day. I, uh, Elspeth had me do the thing on the wall. Yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right.
0: right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you're you're swinging some pretty good. Um, first, gumping it up. Man. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you were going pretty well at the driving range to be fair and I was and uh, after that I think we just kind of got into the concert and whatever and yeah he obviously got got the bug for that and everyone will know how how much Wallace loves concert if you've ever seen him about it and uh, if you come and watch it this year you'll see he's loving it just as much as he did last year it's pretty awesome he's got a big part and it's it's going really well and it's pretty fun but um no, I think if you asked well, Walls two years ago, uh, where will he be in two years? I don't think the answer would have been national vice chair of a young farmers committee. But here we are. Hell, mate, the mate, they always out like. <laughs> <laughs> here we are. Somehow, I remember when you first told me, it, I was like, "How have you angled that one?" you like, "I don't know." It's just Laura asked me, and I just said, "Yeah, why not." <laughs> But off the back of that, you you've had some pretty amazing experiences. Te- yeah. te- tell us about the big one.
1: Oh well, and just quickly before I do <laughs> like um, <clears throat> you said uh that sort of young farmers wasn't for me. I originally in twenty fifteen started a Young Farmers Club. I chaired it, Secretary, treasured it on Aaron to try to get it going and, and it worked for a bit, but it didn't happen. But I was a naysayer of young farmers. I absolutely was. And now I think at the time when you guys got to know me before I joined here in Lorneth, that I wasn't a naysayer of young farmers anymore. I'd realised its potential. I just was conscious of the position I was in with mm. with you know extra students, and stuff. You'd but have been socialising with your yeah, students, yeah. And we made sure to we made sure to make sure it was you know it's it's done right, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm there as a sort of member to look out for everyone. Is what I more see. Yes, I have good fun, but you know it's also I, I very much more see it as that that sort of thing, just for the age I am, but um, it's been great, but yeah, <clears throat> got voted on as that, which was mad, <laughs> uh, probably didn't appreciate what it meant at the yeah. time, I'll be completely honest, uh, and then sort of got to know Penny and speak about what it means, and yeah, you know, first off, she's Penny's great, Like she's quite the character, drives the company along with the remainder of the SLT in the right way, but met some great folk through the SLT side, first off, uh, what's that South East oh yeah good point sorry senior leadership team so that's your chair and vice chair of all regional uh, regional areas so um, Sally and Beth in the north Gillian and James in the east and then Colin and, and Mikey in the, in the west that we're in and then you've got your, <coughs> your vice and your chair sorry your chair and your vice of your six national committees don't need to go through all the names um, they've all been on the podcast I think it was 113 Uh, And then your national chair and vice chair, which is Jane and Ali. And then your um, your CEO, which is Penny Montgomery. Learn a lot about strategy. I've been involved in a lot of sort of fancy stuff in my my time through work and whatnot, but really learning about strategy there was great. But I think if you asked a lot of folk what they get at young farmers, they'll say speech making, tug of war, stock judging, that sort of thing. I've done just about none of the things everyone says, and arguably mm. the one thing everyone says is their favourite is either stock judging, tug of war, or speech making. Speech making is normally the one that they're mm. like, "Oh, i absolutely loved that." It was probably the thing I disliked the most, mm. and not at all putting that on speech making. My career is built off of literally speech making, <laughs> whether it's lecturing, it's making speeches, or you know, podcasting, somewhat related, but. I'm trying to do it in an engaging manner for, for fun, not actually for how to create a, a direct speech and I really struggled with that and it was a skill that I sort of had the discussion with myself. I was like, do I want to get really good at this or try and focus on the thing that that I know I'm quite good at at the minute and it is my career, because they would have impacted each other. So that was the reason, I mean, it's nothing against speech making, but when you ask folk what they normally get out of young farmers, that's what it is. Mine's pretty different. <laughs> uh, concert's definitely the, the thing. I mean, I absolutely love concert. Um, <clears throat> really do enjoy it. Obviously, Laura and they're the only one that have a good concert. No, I'm joking. I'm not allowed to say that anymore, and it's not true at all. There's some fantastic things out there. I just love the team here. I love the family that I feel part of nowadays. Um, but in August, eh, sorry, in June, I got phoned by Jane Strawhorn, which is normally just to give me abuse, uh, but it wasn't this time it was like, she uh, basically just said, would you like to come to Rwanda? And I was like, well, what kind of question is that? <laughs> what, what, what are we joking? That's a long yet? distance date. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. As it goes, it ended up being that. No, um, I said Lucky yes you. straight away. Yeah, I know. I said yes straight away, Jane, I know you're listening, so how you getting on? Um, I said yes straight away. Uh, I did not know if I had a passport. I would have paid the two, three hundred quid it was, whatever it is, to make sure I had one to go. Like, I was not saying no to that. And there's, I'm not saying no to that for a few reasons. <clears throat> First off, 1994, what happened in Rwanda, just and I'll get into that later. Um, but I read about it when I was younger and it always really interested me. And I was also kind of aware that it had came back from that. I could never be prepared for what actually was the case. But uh, yeah, the third reason, and turned out to be my main reason, was cast number 71. Um, I filmed with a guy called Regis Uma Jiranesa, And Regis was just brilliant like he just his story is one of caring about food and farming in rwanda taking a role in policy starting a business that basically took a product the sweet potato that was readily available in rwanda but not that but was frowned upon which i thought was really weird and i didn't understand that concept until i went there because i thought of rwanda as we think of all central african countries yeah not as progressive as we are. It's a terrible generalization, but that's what I thought. And as I got there, that wasn't the case. But found Regis, and as you do with every podcast guest, <clears throat> you say something along the lines of keep in touch. I keep in touch with ninety percent, but then I also say, oh, we'll have to meet up, and maybe ten percent of the time I've done that. Never in a million years <laughs> did I think Regis would be one of the folk that was going to happen with, and then yeah, he came off the plane in Kigali, and yeah, there he was, man. It was what a joy, but. Um, yeah, the reason we were going there, and it turned out to be two things, was it was Jane Strawhorn, Paul Carruth, um, Lindsay, uh, Lindsay Campbell and myself, uh, in the first batch, which is national chair, uh, comes and marketing officer, international, national chair, and myself for Tanzania, and then Rwanda, we, we, we met up with Katie Burns, who's an ex-national chair and had been to Rwanda before. But Tanzania was a 4-H food summit. Now, for those that don't know what 4-H is in Scotland, you probably won't. If you're in America, you definitely will. It's essentially... Well, it's not essentially. It's the biggest youth group in the world. There's more American 4-H members than there is people in Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And it's just their life, man. They love it. And uh, we've sort of, as SEYFC, became sort of unofficially affiliated. 4-H is never going to overtake SEYFC... certainly on the farming side I mean I see no reason there couldn't be one in Scotland but I think that would probably hurt ACYC I think we play that role um, we're not just for farmers I think it's very important to mention that um, and that was for the Food Summit <clears throat> what turned out to be when we were there it was delayed by three years because of Covid and it turned out the day we were there was the 30 year anniversary of Tanz- Tanzania 4-H <clears throat> and it was just a great celebration like <laughs> it was on African time man we never did end on time Um But we just had a family that we'd never met. I've never felt that feeling before of... I have to a point, but Jane, Lindsay, Paul and I walked in and we never sat together for the first four days because you just sat with someone else from America, from Taiwan, from Jamaica, from uh, Tanzania, from, I'm going to miss some, Sweden, Finland, Norway and Guinea. Like, we just I someone from everywhere. And I loved it. And I have to shout out Colin uh, from Jamaica. I'll do a wee impression of him. In Tanzania, there was this drink. It was Fanta Citron, right? Yep. I'm sure we've got it here. Fanta Lemon, yeah. No. No, 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 my friend. Fanta Citron. Right, it's slightly green. Right. Okay. And the Fanta there is different. Even the normal Fanta from right. ours. And Colin summed it up. Why? He goes, you know, you never believe it, man. <laughs> he says, you know back in Jamaica and here in Tanzania. The Fanta is amazing. (laughs) If you go to America or the UK, they use that rubbish beet sugar. It's so harsh. However, in Jamaica and here in Tanzania, it's that cane sugar.
0: Wow! (laughs) Where did you say
1: was from? Jamaica. Like Sounds in, like he's from Newcastle. Nah, man, genuinely shut up. <laughs> like, it's, that is, I, I, I would say, it's, Jordy in Jamaica. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Same, was the same first name as me. Um, but yeah, we had a great time. We we toured Tanzania. We we did a lot of things. We almost died in a bus three times. Um, we just done so much. We learned about youth development. We learned about whatever. And it was it was great. It was just a, a lovely cultural experience. And, and I got the bug for travelling the second I was there. We'd been travelling. We went Dubai. Um, went Dubai Kilimanjaro Kilimanjaro sorry Dubai Dar es Salaam Dar es Salaam Kilimanjaro. We've been travelling for the best part of a day. We turned up all absolutely stinking, and forty of us just got into a hall and started running each other around the the church place. With it looked like a church with people on our backs. So it was a great time, <clears throat> and it ended with um, well we did two things that outwith what we were there to do that will three things really that will live with me for a while. One going to an orphanage. It was an orphanage school, and we met one of the uh, to be foster parents and uh, no adopted parents, um, and I still speak to him every every week. Abraham, shout out if you're listening, great guy. Adopted this little girl. I'm sure it's now through. It wasn't at the time where her her let um, I mean, right. Her mum died either at birth or around that time, and her dad was killed in a motorcycle accident, which happens quite a lot. <coughs> It's the biggest killer in Tanzania. Really? Which I'm not surprised about because they're everywhere. Um, and as a, as the story goes, I'll tell you <laughs> how topical it was. But he was there with this little girl, man. He called her daddy and it was just the sweetest thing on the planet. Like, I was just taken aback. And I'm now a donor to that place. Like, i donate a grand a year to them. Just They're working with so little and changing lives, man. I, you probably saw the post of me dancing with them like that. <laughs> that, was, that was a big moment in my life. Uh, another one... And, and yeah, we walked. we walked out... Maybe fifteen nah, that's a lie. Eighty meters from where the kids were, we got in the bus and a motorbike has. So that just shows you just how Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Everyone on right? Bust his knee, man. he was like, oh shit. I mean, like, I don't know how his knee didn't disappear. <laughs> just get back on the bike. They had a wee fight for a minute and then they left. No insurance papers, nothing. <coughs> um then went to a place called Ndoro Waterfall, which is Two and a half thousand metres up Kilimanjaro, <laughs> Which I kind of forget sometimes that I've been. Um and uh, yeah, go back to my Instagram in August and you'll see the coolest Tresume funded photo of me ever just sort of standing in the water, but nah, lovely experience. Um with um, with Davis, lovely guy who took us around that, who Jane Strawhorn made sure to say looked like Fabinho from Liverpool. <laughs> uh, and then The other one was, uh, on the last day, going to Tarangiri Safari. We all sort of think of safari as kids, don't we? Like, we're aware of these animals, like, they're the main thing, and you could talk about giraffes and elephants and zebras and stuff, and you always think you'll see them at, like, Blair Drummond or whatever, which I had, because I loved it. Did I honestly think I would ever see it? It's probably one of those things that, if I became successful, yes, I definitely would, but I didn't think I was going to experience it this soon, and yeah... And wow. <laughs> Seen a zebra and a giraffe cross the road together, like, Jesus, Aww. just life-changing, man. Lindsay was gassed with the zebras, Jane was gassed with the elephants, and I just had a great time, whether it was, you know, zebras, waterbuck, bunch of fans, like, I loved it all. Got attacked by a monkey, and there's a photo that looks like I'm trying to knock it out, but really good fun. <clears throat> and then the next one was what turned out to be a really cool flight, so it ended up in first class. Um, now, I think it'd be fair to say Rwanda here's first class is Somewhat different to like Qantas Airways, but it was good, man. We had a lot of space and we got a nice wee hot towel and stuff. Oh my God, I forgot to mention, we have to thank, I can't remember his name, that's terrible. We'll think about it over the, hey, Dixon at Dar es Salaam Airport because we must have lost our stuff four times. I got interrogated for stealing someone's bag. It was a scary experience, but Dixon got us out. But anyway, um, yeah, once Tanzania was done, <laughs> I feel like Lindsay's listening, um, we should mention there was a massive swimming pool in tanzania that didn't fill until the last day and it started filling the first day with a garden hose Um, i had to run basically into the bush right (laughs) not joking to change the water to start filling it up a bit more and that just then meant we didn't have water in the hotel for the week (laughs) nice great experience though i will was it worth it oh man 100 100%. i got to sit in a swimming pool (laughs) <laughs> in a place that was almost as warm as Scotland at that point because we just didn't get that for some reason it was like 24 or something like that. It wasn't intense. We wouldn't complain about that. Yeah, it was lovely, man. It was really yeah, nice. But yeah, awesome. it was... Uh, Tanzania will... I think Tanzania will never not hold a perfectly lovely place in my heart. The people were so welcoming. Everyone. I mean, everyone. Even, even the people that weren't welcoming... I cared about like there's this guy we were, we were at the gates to Kilimanjaro where you either pay your eighty three dollars to get in, <clears throat> or you get AK forty seven. He's standing there with it. Actually, for those that are gun buffs, it's an AK seventy four. You but you know he's standing there with it, and I like took a photo with him. Wasn't fussed, but they were like, don't go through. You're getting popped. Like <laughs> genuinely, yeah. But it's like a touristy place. There's a lot of people there. They're telling things. Jane, we don't need to get to that, but. um, this guy comes up to me and he was like, hey, can I have 50 shilling? Now, 50 shilling to us sounds like £2.50, if we know pre-decimalisation. 50 shilling is 50 Tanzanian shilling. Tanzanian shilling sits about 2,400 to the dollar. So he was asking me for about two pence. No, a, a 0.2 pence. Jeez. Yeah, like it's the, the poverty in Tanzania is second. Tanzania is a massive place. What have you without... given them? what What you gave him i gave him five (laughs) dollars and i genuinely regret it i could have got in trouble doing that why everyone hounded me Uh... like i had to get to the bus like oh jeez i wasn't going to get hurt right i just wasn't there was people there to protect me but i i probably and i didn't say this at the time because i would have got in trouble i probably caused i probably put them somewhat at risk by doing that i really shouldn't have done it yeah um and the argument is: is do they actually need it? Is there is that quick? Because I don't know. Because that's yeah, what, what are they said. That that's well, not strictly that. I mean, it's have they just realised this is a way to make money? I don't like looking at it that way. I think that makes it look like people are beneath us. Yeah. But that's what we were told a lot by by tour guides yeah. that we trusted. So yeah, that that was. That's tons. all an experience. Though. <clears throat> yeah, of course it is, and it's understanding it. And you look at Tanzania. It's, I think it's fourteen hundred and fifty-six kilometers of coastline. Like it's got that ability to trade. It's got Safari and Kilimanjaro, you know everyone goes there, and it's just it's pure, like it's pure, and it's instilled like they I think we got the vibe that the schools didn't want to teach too high in case they became too smart, oh really, like, we got the vibe, they told us <laughs> um no way, yeah, it was sad, and that's sick. Second... I just loved everyone there, I, I, there wasn't a person that. Damn that didn't want me there, that didn't want to feel my ginger beard, that didn't want to, like, I just, I would dance in the street and they'd play drums, like, I felt so at home. Then we flew to Rwanda, right? First class. First class, yeah. Let's call it half class, yeah. You know, so we flew to Rwanda with the most gorgeous view ever, looking out the plane, seeing Mount Medo above the, the, the clouds and being like, man, I wish I could see Kilimanjaro. Looking back further and under the propeller, here's this thing, double the height of the clouds. Like gorgeous, utterly gorgeous. Snow, bang smack in Middle Africa. Never not snowing. Insane. That's amazing. Deep in summer. Anyway, that was amazing. Landed in Kigali, saw Regis, great guy. got like a first class escort. Got to this Kigali hotel and I'm like, I genuinely feel like I'm in London or New York or Paris. This is the most progressive place I have been in my life. Really? and I'm involving London and Edinburgh and everything in that, 100%. I've never seen a more pristine, cared for and safe feeling city. And that's what Rwanda is. And I, it was a culture shock for someone that knows about Rwanda and had heard Jane talking about the fact it's got the best roads in the central uh, central eastern Africa. I thought, well, maybe that's not much to brag about. <laughs> it's just they're better. Yeah, just their standards they're, better than alone, here. They they're better than everywhere here. They're better than the newly done roads here. There's not one pothole in Rwanda. And we drove all over it. Like, (laughs) I've never been so impressed. But what it didn't have that Tanzania did was that outright friendliness. No one wasn't nice. No one... It didn't have the welcomingness. It did. It was welcoming. Everyone was lovely. But... and, And there'll be Rwandans listening to this, I'm sure and I'm sure every person that's listening to this that I met was lovely because everyone I spoke to that I was involved with, whether it was RYAF or whatever, just welcomed us with open arms. You felt like there was a cultural PTSD from what happened in the 90s. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's surprising. That's like two generations back as well. It's not, though. It's three years before I was born. You no, know, You're pretty the... old. <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> Statistically, my mum or dad would have been killed in it. That's what happened. Yeah. Hey, sorry. Statistically, out of my grandparents and my mum and dad, one of what I mean is one of those six would have been killed. That's just what happened. Fourteen percent were killed. So, do you feel that the millennials, though,
0: are like still have the PTSD from it? The ones that
1: would just that weren't hear about it? yeah, the ones that would hear about it, not know about it. If you know. Your mum, your grand, your auntie, your elder brother, sister, friend, whatever, grandparent, neighbour, person you don't know that's lived in the same house as you, was not just killed but genitally mutilated, raped after the mutilation. All that's probably done in front of the parent. Kids killed in parents' eyes from stab wounds to the eyes. It kept, killed in parents' hands, from stab wounds to the eyes, grenades in the shower. Like, <laughs> I wasn't there, and I've only been in Rwanda for seven days, and it changed me. Like, it can't not. You, you're, you're walking on the roads that are now in better condition of a place where a pickup was overturned, as an actual photo I saw. A pickup was overturned with 14 people in or around it, through it, dead. Like, you can't, you cannot comprehend how that impacts people whether that's that you saw it, that you've heard about it, that you just know what happened you might not even spoke to someone about it because you're too scared to it. and there's no fear of talking about it now some people right, want to, some open. people don't yeah, um, some people don't want to talk about it for, <laughs> for very obvious reasons um, but like we just spoke about it here and there um, mm-hmm. we had a guy in the bar that spoke to us about it I, I made a point of never bringing it up yeah. but if they wanted to speak to it and they were happy to field questions you know, mm-hmm. I, would have, I would do that um, but we went to Kigali Memorial Museum and it, <laughs> nothing's changed me more than that. Jesus Christ. It's just like, you're on, you're above 250,000 bodies. That's where you are. You're above it. Yeah. And there's, what really, really stuck out to me was there was three coffins and I wondered, what were those people? Why, why did they get a coffin? Why were they important enough to get a coffin? What were they? I never got that. <clears throat> and I, was, I, was, I couldn't speak. I didn't know how to ask anything. Um, Jane had read up a lot in Rwanda and Tanzania and flying and whatnot and I knew a lot before a lot more about the past as opposed to the now and the start hit Jane hugely um, and then she dealt with it very well the going through um, like I've I've said this to, to so many folk I genuinely don't know what I felt I don't think I was sad I remember being angry at one woman who, who were strictly told, don't take photos in this room. There's literal photos of dead people. Like, there's probably people in the vicinity who that's their auntie, that's their gran, whatever. And this woman from America was taking photos. And I'm not someone that causes a scene, but I, that was like, get the fuck off your phone. Uh, that's the only thing, that's the only yeah. emotion I remember. It was just this solemn inability to feel. I think I read every word in there twice, maybe three times. Like, definitely once, but most, twice and some three times. Um, You just walk through this, photos of what happened and stories of the heroes, stories of the anti-heroes, the villains, I guess. It's a tricky one. It's somewhat comparable to Israel at the minute. I don't know too much about Israel and what's happening, but you look at um, Israel don't treat a lot of places well. (laughs) They don't treat Palestine well. They don't treat Gaza well. um, And obviously Hamas being part of Gaza... Have retaliated to the point of we can't condone it. But then you look back and you think, Well, can you? <laughs> I don't think you can and I think it's good I'm gonna probably get a lot of backlash for saying that from folk that listen, but what happened in Rwanda was one one bracket of people, because of the shape of their nose, that's what it was. And, really? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah we treated poorly and they become the aggressor. So let's say let's say you were Hutu. Um you would be able to sit at the front of the class, you would be treated well. Let's say I was Tootsie, I'd probably be told to sit at the back because I was second. And then I'm like, nah, fuck you. <laughs> that's what happened. And then 14% of the population was wiped out in 94 days. Jeez um, that's what happened. And and the, the only time I felt emotion was the last room. <laughs> the last room was called uh, genocide and what genocide means. And it transitioned into the sort of final step, which was children of the genocide. And the genocide, just it spoke about <clears throat> Holocaust, the Balkans, all the stuff we've heard of. We've heard of them all, and there's a bit of an addict to sort of human extremes. I kind of know a lot about it, but sort of really mean it. And I was learning more, and it was interesting. They and this child of the Holocaust, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, this. I think everyone should see something like that, whether that's Auschwitz or this or whatever. I think it should be seen because. I went in somewhat proud of my ability to have not shown too much of emotion and tried to be there for everyone else if I could be. I was the one that felt needed to be there for when we came out. Um, there was a story of... Those examples I gave you were all from the children's room. Uh, a bro- brother and sister uh, who were killed in the shower together by a grenade. Um, and it, it, it says stuff like... Um, <laughs> there was this brother and sister... And it, it says, I knew their names up until recently, and I think my brain's just intentionally purged it because it just makes me cry every time I think about it. It was a brother and sister, um, two and three. One was daddy's little girl, one was mummy's little boy. Swimming's massive in Rwanda. Loved swimming, um, loved football, loved milk, loved chocolate. Died to a grenade in the shower. And that's how it's read, and it just. Uh, one stabbed in the eye in mother's arms, like just. Just seconding things you can't consider as a human. You can't even comprehend that, no, can you? No, we, we grew up like, oh, someone stole my football. And oh, we we're, so, day, we're, we're so blind. Yeah. Like, we're so blind to what happens in the rest of the world yeah. at times. But now Rwanda is more progressive than they've ever seen. And how is that? Just sheer efficiency and we are going to change what we are. And that's what we've done. I mean, it, But where's the money came from? So support from a lot of places definitely. Yeah. Um, we support them a lot. Uh, for <laughs> there's a lot of negative press at the moment that we're sending refugees to Rwanda. Honest opinion, I think someone without a lot of money, which I think is a glaring stereotype, but I'm going to assume people who are refugees are in that position, would be supported better by Paul Kagame, who's the president of Rwanda, than they would be here. Well, Genuine, I genuinely think we're better, and I'm people think, have no knowledge of it though would just think oh Rwanda it'll be a poor African country yeah of course and it, it's as a stereotype but a stereotype. everything's right I mean you think of you think of sort of sport though how often do you see names like Tanzania and Egypt and Central African Republic or Congo in football stadiums just about never visit yeah. Rwanda's is everywhere it's, it's Arsenal yeah. PSG um, is it the Falcons in the States? Like, it's everywhere. They've they've got a football stadium with 17,000 capacity. They they don't really have a massive... Tanzanian football's probably followed more in Tanzania than Rwanda is in Rwanda. Um, but they're creating sport. The Cycle um, World Championships is there in 2025. Nice. Uh, we've been invited back. <laughs> don't know, to watch. I can't imagine to compete. Um, and uh, they're doing sport. They're doing that when you think of Tanzania and Rwanda you think Tanzania are very touristy Rwanda's got gorillas probably about it but they're capitalising tourism now because they're making a fun city Kigali you can do stuff yeah. and it's, it's it looks like quote unquote hate the term developed city but man it's, it's it's impressive like if you go to a pub right bar restaurant whatever and uh, I'm working there I'm the waiter yeah and you've paid I don't know let's say you've paid um what 25,000 uh, Rwandan franc, which is, is give or take about 28 pounds. Um, and I'm like, oh, any chance of 2,000 franc, two quid, two dollar, whatever roughly. That's seen as corruption. And your job as the guest would be to call me out on that. And I'd probably lose my job or certainly get. They just want rid of that. It happens. Of course it happens. But yeah, amazing. The <laughs> fields were bright green it's as amazing. well. <laughs> bright really? green, yeah, 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 bright green. And and this time of year, they are green, like they're like Dumfries Mays. Yeah, yeah, I can believe we're walking through it, and I'm like, man, this is like August. And How is that? I I don't get that. So you get like an insane rainfall, right. once or twice a year. I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R Two Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, the Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. Yeah. And it's actually it's quite sad. Tanzania, loads of people are dying at this point. Yeah. Um, Tanzania and Rwanda touch each other, so they are close. Um, you got to use what you got there. You're, num- yeah. you're never going to change that, though. Yeah, so. we were milking dairy cows in the middle of a Swiss oh. Alpian hill. Awesome in Rwanda. Lovely. <laughs> awesome. What an experience. Awesome. Uh, so probably not more cows in Rwanda than I have in Scotland. <laughs> probably. Nah, not quite. We'd, wouldn't I... <laughs> take me though, would it? <laughs> if I waited for a year, I probably would. Exactly. <laughs> um. So
0: yeah, that's uh It's a pr- pretty unbelievable. Go back and listen to his, the R two cast with Lindsay Jane and Paul if you want to hear more about that. And it's, Katie. And Katie, sorry. Uh, it's pr- pretty unbelievable. Um, that story you can tell that that's changed Wallace quite a lot and I think um, it's not the only time this year that Wallace has been to a country that um, well that's obviously faced a lot of crisis in the past and this country's faced a lot of crisis right now it's probably the most um, spoken about one in the last couple of years it's pretty devastating and it's amazing what Uh, people are able to do to help and there was uh things up called pickups for peace where they take pickups across to help families out that have lost their homes and lost more than you can even imagine and Wallace got an opportunity to help out with that and take a pickup over to Ukraine so
1: tell us about that experience how did that compare to uh going to Rwanda yeah it's it's, it's interesting isn't it because you can't you probably in some ways expected Rwanda to, I didn't expect it to be a war zone because I knew it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but you expect it to be an extremely negative perspe- per- situation in that regard. But you go to Ukraine, which in our eyes is a war zone and I felt like I was on holiday. <laughs> this, is the, the, this is the interesting contrast of Ukraine wants to be a tourist hub right now and it absolutely can be. I felt safer in Lviv than I have in Paisley no, Paisley's maybe a bad show, sorry for everyone from Paisley, but it's not exactly the nicest place <laughs> um, I mean genuinely I just, literally yeah. had my throat minorly cut in Paisley once, I felt like I could have a great time in Lviv. I walked at midnight on my own, I went and spoke to randomers they said um they ask you what language you speak and I'm like nah I'm gonna try Ukrainian and a yeah. few things, now I can't remember any of them but I learnt enough to sort of say where can I go and that sort mm-hmm. of thing Um and they were just so welcoming. But the story was you basically take pickups and as much I mean we were a fool to the gunnels, like as much as you could. He drove it out to Ukraine, which was an amazing experience, it spoke about Kate Rolls that we had on. I was with Kate's brother in the pickup and Bill was an interesting gentleman in himself and it was just a nice experience driving from Memis in Scotland to Newcastle, boat from Newcastle to Amsterdam, um, with a great team of folk. <laughs> just all Wanting to see what was happening and feeling like they could do a small thing, you know? Um, and, yeah, you stopped off here and there. We drove through Germany. First off, autobans should be everywhere. Yeah. Safest thing on the planet. Really? Oh, man. I'm not just saying it like driving faster because I think I can get there quicker. Safest thing on the planet. I yeah. mean, I generally. Everybody says that, that. Yes. I've heard that it's done them. That's but it's because honest. it's instilled in people there. Yeah. don't be an idiot. You go into a motorway here, man. You've like, got, what speed did, I, did you actually drive when you were up? So, the, the places where it was limited, it was normally 130k, which is about... 80? 80. 85, I think. Yeah. Um, but that was only sort of around junctions. You know, the rest of the time, I mean, we couldn't really go much above 100, but people would be going 140, 150 miles an hour. and. But, never, but it didn't look it, dangerous. Nah, so like you, you consider a motorway here, yeah. You've got someone in the fast lane at fucking 60... Right? And then you've got um, someone in the slow lane gets bored, so they undercut. Lorries are overtaken, like everything's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah? it's dangerous, yeah. Lorries never come out of the first lane, yeah. unless it's a tri more motorway where they can go out into the second and overtake. Yeah. Never go out of that lane. If there's only two, they'll never go out. If you're overtaking, people could see we were in pickups. If they get behind you and they realise I'm going quicker than them, they wait until you go past the lorry. You come in, they overtake once in germany which was maybe about five hours i saw someone overtake and stay in the fast lane once that'll happen How many all times? the time yeah. 20 minute journey you'll see five oh yeah Easy. and and that person was torn to shreds like I'm genuinely um no one was undercutting doing anything wrong when they were there but when you walked past you saw everyone like yeah they weren't happy but that's because it ruins that efficiency. It's created for that, and it's so safe. I was so impressed. That's a really different story. Through Germany, came out of Poland. Um, gorgeous place, by the way. Wow. You think Poland, you think Krakow and Warsaw. Um, yeah. I, I ended up in Krakow and really didn't like it, to be honest. But, um, yeah, we stayed in a place called Katie Rotchef. If you've seen the name Roklaw in Poland, it's spelled Rotchef. Um, it's, it's pronounced Rotchef. Stayed in this, like, old <laughs> massive... Old hunting mansion, I'd assume. And try... If you go to Poland, try Zurek. The nicest soup I've ever had. Don't really know what it was. Loved it. Um, Stay in Poland for the night. And then it was a five-hour journey from Poland to the Ukrainian border. um, And got the Ukrainian border. Had some checks. There was a a line of, like, 100 cars we just drove past. (laughs) And then it got intense. Like, you never felt... And I'll say this so many times, you never felt in danger. At that point, you're like, we are going into like, What's a war-torn country. Much, yeah. yeah. Like we, Just for, for reference, when you go into Lviv, when you go into um, the Ukrainian border, you're still closer to Amsterdam than you are to the war. Right. Yeah, yeah. we forget how big Ukraine is. Ukraine's it's massive. Yeah. yeah, it's half a unit. Well, that's why they want it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, of course it is. Uh, that along with how good the ground is. Um, but yeah, that was, um. we got in, and um, there was people greeting us with thank yous and everything, and then we had one rule, don't stop,
0: <laughs> that's what we were told,
1: moving. yeah, keep someone rocking. get in the way, you hit them, their fault, <laughs> genuinely, right, <laughs> really? yeah, and it was just nice roads for a while with some combines driving around and yeah. whatever, and uh, still a lot of harvest on the go, um, and uh, yeah, got to Lviv and they said, remember, <laughs> no stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go to Lviv and um, you've got trams, you've got buses, you've got cars. Everyone stopped. We were flying through the middle of Glasgow. Just like you had blues and twos on? At 45 miles an hour. Amazing. Mm-hmm. It, what an experience. I mean, from a fun perspective, it yeah, just oh, yeah, yeah, seemed like, genuinely fun. And then we got this government build and dropped the pickups off and went and had a good time, in L'Viv. And by good time, I mean we went and sat in cafes, we chatted with the locals, we went to shops, we went to um restaurant afra, we went to the pub. Some of the boys found you can work it out. Um and yeah, just a really good time. A really good time. A really, really fun holiday. Next day, the guys that started pickups for peace, <clears throat> Keith, Mark, and Vince. Vince sort of being um uh They had, had, sorry, the three of them being, in 2005, they'd basically worked up a massive clientele of landowners. So, Ed, you can go to Ukraine and buy ground, but you could rent the ability. You could buy the ability to rent that ground, because everyone was basically given a hectare. You get 100 people in a a village, and there's maybe, you know, I don't know, what, a 1,000 hectares. You be given a hectare. And it was split. That's how it was done. <clears throat> Post-Post-Soviet. So 1989. Um, yeah, so that's how that worked. Um, Which was quite interesting. But they went round. <laughs> you ready for the number? Bought the ability to farm 200,000 hectares. To which I often go to say point two, And I'm like, no, nah, there's not a number for that big of land. There's not a number for a million hectares. It's just not a thing. <laughs> you know what I mean you would think 0.2 something it doesn't exist it's no. so big now for reference Scotland's some people say 7.8 some people say 8.2 million hectares because of the islands so they had give or take 16th, 17th of Scotland being farmed <laughs> brilliant ground they were in the east uh, sorry they were in the west of Ukraine the east is famously known the Ukrainian steppes arguably top 4 ground in the world um, the west was good not nearly as good but they noticed the rainfall was triple so they've actually managed to make it. They tripled yields in the first seven years. They went from um, wheat yields of 1.5 tonnes to the hectare to almost five and a half. How? Realising that that water use could be captured and used, not just ran off into ditches. Because the, the, the big challenge they have in the steppes is it's dry. And yeah. irrigation's expensive. Yeah. They realised they could do it themselves. And they... I'm not going to go into any further soil stuff. Keith told me some of this stuff was well over my head, I'll be honest. Um, Sold that business for, never told me a fee, a bit. (laughs) I think it'd be fair to say. A big one. Yeah, a big (laughs) bit. Um, Remember, they didn't sell the land. They sold the ability to farm that land, but consolidating that clientele was massive. 2018, started this business where they wanted to sell um, potato starch. uh, And they got to stage in, sorry, 2019, got to stage... March tenth, I think it was twenty twenty. They're allowed to start build. Uh, allowed to start building. Um, and then the day before the war, they got the final people in to finish it, and they have a notable unit now that is taking in Lady Rosetta, Arsenal, and Lady Rose, um, Lady Claire. Sorry. If they meet Crispin standards, great, go to crisps. If they don't, everything else gets blitzed turned into potato starch. I said to them, you wouldn't have a porter cabin here in the UK in that time. <laughs> you just wouldn't. They've got this full-on system. Um, so it was amazing. That was great. And then the afternoon came and the holiday changed. <laughs> we went to... Well, we were there. We gave the pickups over and we went to what was an impromptu graveyard of 1,400 graves. They were there a month before there was 900. And they weren't there when they started in March. And that is people in Lviv fighting... In the East. So you don't have a clue how many people are dying in the East. Yeah, there was a guy, 26th December 1996. It was my exact birthday. Yeah. And he would probably be top 60% in age. Wow. Yeah, it was harrowing. You realise why you're there. And Keith Dawson, I mean, if you want to go listen to my podcast with Vince, talking about Pickups for Peace, just, just Spotify, Pickups for Peace, R2Cast. Um, but Keith put it so well we've put over 250 pickups out to the Ukraine. For every pickup we put out there, that's an extra person that's at the dinner table this Christmas. And you're like, shit. You said about people losing their homes and stuff. Folk don't give a fuck about their house. They just want their family there. And this guy, Alexei, and the, the sort of strong accent I put on there was Russian. He's Eastern Ukrainian, so it's, he's got a Russian accent. And um, He's shown us this video of him in one of the pickups we took out before. And he's, he's driving his phone. <laughs> if you're listening to Vosa, it's not the biggest issue of this story. And there's bomb drones dropping bombs in front of him. And he's going, <laughs> they never hit me. Right? This guy's made a different Jeez. gravy, man. Like We were saying about Rwanda, like we've got it easy. Like, again, we've got it easy. Yeah. And one other thing that I'll just mention quickly, if you go onto my Instagram, you'll see a photo of me in a big missile-looking thing. It is a missile. At the farm, about 200 metres away, um... 250 metres away, uh, this missile the height of me landed, right? They've got it. And they're like, yes. I was like, do you mind if I take a photo to show for And they were like, that's funny because they missed us, right? And then I sat it down and he goes, Wallace, we should probably tell you. We don't know if bomb exploded yet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, amazing experience. Amazing experience. Flew back from Krakow and um, yeah, the next journey was coming up, I guess. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. So...
0: Yeah, you'd been to Tanzania, you'd been to Rwanda not long after you went to Ukraine and had that amazing experience, but you weren't quite done yet for the year, or no, you no, no, no. with your travelling. Still had a few flights left in you. You still have another continent left in you.
1: I did, yeah, good point. You, uh, yeah Where was that? Yeah, so yeah, for I mean in the ninety five days between the start of August and the middle of November I did seventeen flights and this flight was heading out to America, out to Indianapolis. Uh so an American football game, Indiana Colts. Uh for anyone that knows or is interested in it, that's where Peyton Manning won his Super Bowl, Indianapolis Colts, and then Indiana Pacers basketball game, so proper took in some uh, American uh, culture. But yeah, we were there with work. It's not one to talk about forever, but we were there with work promoting SREC on the global stage. A lot of changes in SREC lately, bringing in a vet uh, a vet course um and you know the changes to agricultural teaching as well. And yeah, I mean, Craig that I was with is taught in the States. They teach agriculture at school level, which I think is shocking we don't, <laughs> which we'll come on to in our field. Um, and then, yeah, 69,000 agriculture students there over three days. And uh, yeah, they're all taught in school. We've got to learn from them. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say. It was an amazing experience. I loved it. And uh, I came back and three days later got on another plane. <laughs> Yes. Heading up um more north than Oslo to Shetland. Uh just to speak at an event. They invited me and Louise Patterson for three days. We did some Zorb football, we Yeah, had a good time. And uh, for anyone that likes Shetland the show or this farming life, we stayed um at uh Bigton Farm. So with the budges, uh, Amy, Mum Helen, Auntie Ann, or Aunt Annie, uh just so hospitable. And what have you over to St. Ninian's Isle, which is a Tombolo? Mind them in geography. They're connected by land naturally. And it's just this gorgeous Tombolo beach. Beautiful. So, yeah, Chetland's another experience. And then, yeah, one more flight left after that. Awesome. And now
0: you're pretty well travelled anyway. You can certainly say that if you weren't cultured at the start of the year, you can hopefully <laughs> say that you're cultured by the end of it with different experiences. Doing many people all had a more wider range of experiences than you have this year it's um, but I think when I I can't remember when it was I'm trying to think when it was but I remember asking you the question like what do you want to achieve over the next five years whatever and I think the conversation was just between me and you I don't think it was on a podcast pretty sure it was because you wouldn't have said this at the time but uh, you said ah oh, I don't really know, like, I just want to see where the world takes me. But one thing I do want to tick off is doing a Nuffield scholarship. At that point, it was just like, ah, it's a few years down the line. Then, maybe just three months, maybe six months later, I get a text saying, uh, I've just been accepted as a Nuffield scholar. And I'm like, what the hell, man? You, you literally, you're going to complete life by the age of 30. Like, you've got to slow down. You, um... Like, you bought a house and got divorced, and now you've already divorced, done I divorced, wasn't
1: married.
0: <laughs> Basically. <laughs> you've got a house and split up with someone, and you've completed what some people haven't done in a whole lifetime. So, tell us about that, the big one, the Nuffield Scholarship.
1: Probably on that comment, I should probably mention that I now own another property, and I'm in a very happy relationship with Yasmin now, you but yeah um, I've been too nice to this podcast so far yeah you've got to look at something <laughs> it's funny you say that six months ago I wouldn't be surprised if it was saying it publicly because something like an off-field application is not something someone talks about I was like yeah. nah I share the whole process and I have done it for some time so I was saying it for, uh, the first time, yeah. I, the, first time I, the first time I said it publicly was the NMR awards which was in January was that in January? Yeah. This could have been last year then. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. It, this it. is, yeah. This so it was, comment, yeah, it, right was, it was just a throwaway comment. Yeah, it was It was just a throwaway comment. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. For those that know, for those that are in farming, you've probably heard enough field scholarships, arguably more accepted than a PhD in our sector. You know, a pretty major thing. Definitely. Um For those that don't, it's a global travel scholarship uh, to better agriculture in whichever country it's based in. Obviously, we're, we're UK... There's Poland, Brazil, Australia, America, Holland, Zimbabwe, I believe. Um, So, yeah, amazing thing to be involved in. Very lucky to have been accepted. My application was aimed at agricultural education, which we mentioned earlier, um, and how we can better it. So I've basically got a four-point plan that I came up with in the interview as they said, do you have objectives? (laughs) (laughs) Genuinely. Um, And... It's funny actually. The interview is quite interesting. Everyone says it's the most daunting thing in the world. They asked me, they went, "Well, have you enjoyed this?" And I was like, oh, "Love it, man!" <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah." No one comes in this confident. I was like, "Well, I, like, I love what I'm doing, and if I can prove that, I'm not going to try and sound boring." So yeah, I really did enjoy the interview process. It was 13 people grilling you, but I loved it. Um, and he said, What's your sort of objectives? And I was like, Well, oh, a four point plan. <laughs> as I said, plan, I was like, I don't know what number one is. <laughs> um, but number one was is looking on the ground. You know, are people on farms being taught things correctly? You know, there's a lot of a lot of unofficial education that happens in farms that's great. There's also a lot of unofficial education that happens as bad. It's not safe, it's you know, not correct. Agree well on, yeah. yeah, you know. Is that happening right? Are folk being trained from a health and safety and a technical perspective? Um, then in schools, like I was talking about in the States, is it done in primary and high school? Think of primary school in Scotland. right? are doing a lot of good stuff. NFU education are. Secondary schools is kind of minimal. You SRUC are kind of tapping into it. Countryside learning are doing some good stuff. But none of it's curricular. No. None of it's got to happen. No. Um, or very little of it is. Third point, and very much my main point, was further in higher education. How are we teaching agriculture to people that want to study agriculture? <laughs> College, university. And then the fourth one being a sort of cross, you know, I guess a cross UK implementation plan. Try and speak to different institutions, try and work together a bit more. I would like to do. I'd really like to do that actually. Um, so yeah, that's my plan to go to four places, Japan, Singapore, Holland and Switzerland. Might or might not have got got sponsorship from a few different other people and might or might not and by might or might not mean probably will, add in Ethiopia, Kenya, New Zealand and the States. Uh, and that will be every um, continent at that point ticked off because I'm going to Brazil in March through Nuffield. Um, just to learn what they're doing, bring back and try and put agric- agricultural education on the right way. I think we're doing a lot of good stuff, particularly at our campus. I genuinely do. I wouldn't be saying it if I didn't. I said it earlier. But let's not, let's not dwell on that. Let's ride the wave in the right direction. So that's my no-field plan. Amazing. It'll be really good to hear over the next
0: year how, how that progresses. Um, Hopefully we can actually have another podcast where mm-hmm. we can dive deep into it where it's not just you, you can uh, throw in the odd comment and in on someone else's, uh, where someone else is the guest and we can hopefully get the real details. And I think that could take more than one podcast with the <laughs> amount of countries you're planning to go to. So that's, That'll be a really fun experience over the next year, just seeing how that progresses. Um, but I want to ask you a question that oh. we kind of... Um, not the same as the all in, but over the next year, outside of Nuffield, what do you want to achieve?
1: See, I've got a really boring answer to this, but I can try and make a better answer as well if you want. Well, give me the boring one. And, and then, then I'll try to work on a better one as I go. <clears throat> My answer to this, when everyone asks, where do you see yourself in five years, a year, 10 years, whatever, is going in the same direction I am and be further along that line. That's all I care about. And it's, that, it's back to that Ross McKelvey thing. I don't, have a, I, I don't have an end goal. I don't know what that end goal is. I just want to be doing better. But I'll give you a few things. I want to be presenting on TV. Yep. <laughs> Big one, I know. Yep. Think it could happen. Um, really want to be monetized and all in. Yeah. Want to be able to start paying you because <laughs> you're doing good work. <laughs> Um, want to see the current fourth years graduate I will cry that day because they were my first ever first years oh awesome yeah, yeah. it's your first full journey yeah there's five in fourth year four of which started with me in first year um, Tabby, Amy, Chloe, Aaron if you're listening and then Zoe's so joined in uh, seeing those five will just be a really, a really special day for me um, out with Nuffield er, podcast like 200 episodes so that means about so four March. bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. Um, but yeah, also, do you know what I think I really want to do? And it wouldn't have been the case last year. I want to keep on traveling. And I'm going to be doing that in I field. but I just want to. Yeah. Culture is the best education I've had. And I've had a master's degree. Like it's amazing. I can't explain how good it is. And the, um the, yeah, I would say that's probably it. The other thing is just, you know, I think it's probably important. I've created a brand off of being pretty bloody busy without realising I'm busy. And now I have a person I kind of want to spend time with. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. really need to make more. And it's not really, I generally want to make more time to actually spend with your husband. I'm really enjoying that. So yeah, that too. You've got to consider personal life as well. Probably seeing family more. Probably been a bit too driven lately.
0: Yeah, 100%. Just, no, I, I, yeah. I, I can feel that a lot, I think. There's far too many... People that way and families, it's not there forever, so you've got to, mm-hmm. got to see them while you can. And, jeez, um, I'm pretty blessed with having them five minutes down the road at times, and I don't even see them probably as much as I should. Yeah, so, yeah. it's obviously pretty tough when you're when you're even a couple of hours away. But, yeah, um, quick fire question, first yeah. thing that comes to the top of your head, mm-hmm. what's the favourite part of the last year?
1: Oh, hey, Tanzania. Tanzania? Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it's 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 changed me. Like it's never not gonna have an impact on me. Every day it does. Yeah, hundred percent. Amazing. Did you want me to see you coming on as couple?
0: No, not at all. Nah. <laughs> no, if you said no, to do I'd have been like you. Pieces, you're a yeah. liar. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of his house. <laughs> but no, I think over that. Yeah, you can see. Wallace has had a pretty busy year. Um, With. We really only just scratched the surface with a lot of the things Probably we have, could yeah. we could go into a way more detail and as i said i'm sure we will uh, especially on nuffield that'd be really interesting to see how that um goes and we'll go into way more detail on that in the future and the other things that he's got going on over the next next 12 months hopefully we'll be able to have way more stories to look back on at this time next year this uh thank you very much wallace for that it's been to be honest i didn't actually you've even opened my eyes more to the tanzania and rwanda trip like i've heard you speak about it quite a lot in different things but probably not to that depth and level how how intense it was and how devastating it always so it's pretty pretty amazing um. But this is uh, so. This has been the R two cast Christmas special. The last podcast, the R- last R two K cast was one six four with Ifan Roberts. Go back and listen to that if you're into dairy farming and learn how someone at twenty eight years old started with nothing and got to three hundred sixty dairy cows. Because I doubt there's many people that can say that r2 cast 165 which will be the first of the new year on monday the 8th of january is with amy stoner that is the first episode of series four where we will hopefully reach r2 cast 200 which will be a really exciting time in the not so distant future so wallace do you want to just say goodbye
1: (laughs) goodbye no goodbye um, yeah no good stuff ed if you enjoyed that and uh... Yeah, I'm actually going to go film with Amy Stoner in 11 minutes. Um, thank you for listening for the year. Uh, this will be coming out the day after Christmas, which is my birthday, so feel free to say happy birthday. Um, and, uh, have a good. Or new not. Year. Or not, yeah, Ed won't. And uh, have a good new year when it comes. We'll see you for the next episode with Amy in the new year. See you then. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2 cast as much as I have. And I would just like to quickly thank our primary sponsors of the show today, Howden Rural the new name for Aplan Rural. If you follow Howden Rural on social media, you'll see the plethora of work that they do to support this sector and it's been a pleasure to work alongside them so far and long may it continue. For more information about them, be sure to check out uk forward slash rural and I'll see you for the next episode.